This is Cruise Radio. In these winter months, consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. A review of Royal Caribbean's Brilliance of the Seas this week out of Tampa, Florida. Sherry is here with Cruise News. A couple of things before Sherry. Cruise Radio Daily News Briefs. Uh, quick hits of the news there. If you want to find that, just type in Cruise Radio News wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And the Cruise Radio YouTube channel have a deck-by-deck walkthrough of Virgin Voyages' upcoming Scarlet Lady. That was recently uploaded as well. All right, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Doug. So in 2017, Carnival made the announcement that they're going to build this private destination. And all we knew was it was going to be on Grand Bahama Island, which is the same place that Freeport is. We now know a little bit more information. We know a little bit more, and uh, John Heald, you know, Carnival's brand ambassador, did reveal a little bit, and he's calling it Half Moon Key Plus. So sounds like it's going to be pretty nice. Uh, the, yeah, like you mentioned, it's going to be in the Bahamas, of course, about 20 miles to the east of Freeport on Grand Bahama Island. And uh, he did say that the completion date is still unknown. But to compare it with Half Moon Key, it's, you know, that's one of the nicest of all the um, private island destinations, in my opinion. So sounds like it's going to be lovely. Yeah, and Carnival ha- actually has a layout that they gave at the presentation in East Bahamas. If you go to cruiseradio.net, you could see this, like, where they're going to have this. It's almost like they're building a little creek through the, or not creek, but canal through the place they're developing. It looks really cool, and it almost looks like a pool that's going to be there. Um, they're calling it the Gateway to Grand Bahama. You could check it out on cruiseradio.net if you want to see uh, more details on this. Uh, cr- another, here we go, another week, another story about uh, Virgin Voyages. What do we have this week? Yeah, every week it's something new. Well, Scarlet Lady had the official float out, and it took place uh, on Friday over in Genoa at the Fincantieri shipyard. And, of course, on hand were the Virgin Voyage executives, and, of course, Sir Richard was there Um The 2,700-plus passenger ship is now ready for interior work to begin. And they did the the usual, um, it was kind of different the way they did the uh, float-out ceremony. They had an employee of the shipyard, um, her first name is Juliana, and basically she sort of, quote-unquote, christened the ship when it hit the water. You know, she cut a ribbon, the champagne bottle flew against the the hull of the ship, and it broke, and... uh, you know, it was a momentous occasion, months and years in the planning. So, you know, congratulations. Reservations will open to the public today. It's Valentine's Day, and Scarlet Lady begins cruising from Miami in April of 2020. Have you spent any time on their website checking out the staterooms in the public areas? I have, and I know someone who has a video about that. <laughs> yeah, I, that was exhausting. I did a deck-by-deck walkthrough of the ship, but I was just asking you, Sherry, because... There's some pretty cool venues in there. Like, I didn't realize a lot of it seemed almost gimmicky to me when I first read about it and then researching all this for the video. There's some pretty cool spots. I think you're going to be really impressed. I think it's going to be so unique. You know, we're all wondering what it's going to be like and who are the passengers going to be. So 
If you want to see that deck by deck walkthrough, check out the show notes at cruiseradio.net, or I'll um, actually just type in Cruise Radio on YouTube, and you'll see it right there as well. Uh, either or, whatever you want to do. So Princess Cruises is launching their first water park at sea, correct? Yes, they are, and it's called the Splash Zone. Uh, finishing touches to the refurbishment of Princess Cruises, Caribbean Princess, is expected to wind up in June. And the ship's going to have this brand new water park, and they're naming it uh, the Reef Family Splash Zone. Uh, it's going to be located on Deck 17. And if I can say it again, the Reef Family Splash Zone with hoses and splash pools and, you know, the spraying, the water fights and all that that you can have. They're also going to have the Game Zone, which apparently is going to have giant-sized table games with something like Jenga and a few others. So they'll be kind of different. And, you know, the ship is 15 years old. So it's a good, you know, it's good timing for Princess to add a family water park, especially to uh, debut in June, just in time for summer. Um, And it already has movies under the stars. So, you know, it'll catch up to the other ships. What are your thoughts on them adding a water park? Do you feel like maybe there's a shift in their audience now? Yeah, I think, you know, they have to compete with uh, Symphony of the Seas and, and, you know, Carnival's coming out with their refurbishments and new ships. So, you know, they've never they've never really struck me as a, a kid type cruise line. But, you know, they have to widen their scope a little bit, I think, to to uh, to keep up with everybody else. And speaking of refurbishment, Celebrity Millennium just got out of dry dock with a really big one. It did. And celebrity ships are going are undergoing um, a five hundred million dollar revitalization program. And they call it Celebrity Revolution. And as you said, uh, Celebrity Millennium just emerged from its refurbishment last week. And, and, you know, looking over the pictures that I saw, a major focus seems to be on the suites. And they're, um, they're going to have exclusive access to their retreat lounge, which sounds familiar. And the retreat sun deck and people in the suites will also have their own private restaurant. Now, for the staterooms that are being redesigned, uh, they will have celebrities exhale bedding with cashmere mattresses, uh, redesigned bathrooms, and some more storage space. Um, just look, looking ahead, the next celebrity ships to debut after their renovation this year. Coming up is the Celebrity Summit in March, and then in June will be the Celebrity Equinox. You know, I've never sailed on any of celebrities' older ships. I've done all of their Solstice class and then Edge most recently, but never the older ones. Have you? I have, and they were. I loved them. They were small, yeah. smaller. My first uh, celebrity cruise ever was the Century. Back before they, because they had cut that and put a, you know, they uh, lengthened it. Mm-hmm. So this was back in two thousand five. Yeah, and I love the Century, and Millennium is wonderful. Um, haven't been on the Summit yet, but um, the old ships are really nice. Yeah, that's on my cruise bucket list to get on one of those older celebrity ships, so maybe one day. Listener question comes from Matthew this week. Email me your questions, Doug, at cruiseradio.net. Hi, Doug. So my wife and I are planning to go on our first cruise together, and I have a question. We've narrowed it down to four cruises. Was wondering if you could help us out. So the first one is Carnival Breeze, a seven-night to the Eastern Caribbean. The next one is Carnival Radiance, an eight-night to the Southern Caribbean. The next one would be Carnival Pride, a seven-night out of, uh, I guess, Baltimore going down to the Bahamas. And then the final one is Carnival Legend, seven-night going to the Western Caribbean. Would appreciate some insight. Thanks. You know, I had fun thinking about this. Which one would I do? Yeah, I'm, I'm partial to the Carnival Pride. I really like that ship. Um, you know, and it's closer to home for, for Matthew. So maybe that would be 
a reason to go, you know, just Grand Turk, Half Moon Key, and Freeport, um, which is really just, you know, it's kind of like a beach vacation. So if that's what you're looking for, that would be perfect. Then you have the Carnival Breeze going to the Eastern. Um, I love San Juan, and we'll stop at Grand Turk, so you'll have a beach day there in Amber Cove. And then Carnival Legend, of course, a little bit older. A nice itinerary. Grand Cayman, you have to tender, so that can slow you down a little bit. Not much, though. Um, but I have to hone in on Carnival Radiance, eight nights, and it's going to Aruba, Bonaire, and Grand Turk. It's a great itinerary. It's out of here in Port Canaveral. I looked it up because I'm thinking I thought I might go, but I found out there's limited availability. So if this is on your radar for the Radiance, um, you might want to think about booking this pretty soon. It's eight, like I said, it's eight nights. It's just mainlining straight down to Aruba and Bonaire. So I think it'll be a wonderful trip, and it's just coming out of refurbishment from being the Carnival Victory earlier in the year. Um, so I think. I would go with the Radiance only because for your first cruise to wake up in Aruba and see the pastel-colored houses on the waterfront, I think that's really special. All right, Sherry. So I love the Spirit class ships. I love Pride, but I don't like that itinerary Pride is doing. So on this one, I think I would go with the Eastern Caribbean because I love me some St. Thomas and going over to St. John for the day. That would probably be my second choice. But like I said, I, I am partial to the Pride. I've had some wonderful trips on the Pride, so kind of has me. But to me, the the itinerary, I'm not, you know, when you live in Florida, a beach vacation is not high on your list, really, mm-hmm. at least for me, you know. Yeah, same here. So, so I mean, Breeze, I love too. So, yeah, I think I would probably go, I like I said, my first choice would be Radiance because it's Port Canaveral and down to Aruba, Bonaire, and Grand Turk, then, then Breeze, and then Pride and Legend, maybe. You know, it's funny, you mentioned living in Florida. I live eight miles from the beach here in Jacksonville, and I can count on one hand how many times I've been to the beach in the past five years. Isn't that a it's shame? Crazy. I mean, yeah. we take it for granted. And we people really right do. now in the Midwest are like, you suck. But it's, it's, <laughs> I guess we, you know, growing up, you know, boogie boarding and surfing, you guess you kind of got used to it and you took it for granted. And now you're so close to it. I probably, when I move away from the beach, I'll be missing it though, right? That's how it works. That's how it works. You know, when I was, when I was walking distance to the beach a few couple of years ago, you know, when I first moved there, I was there every single day. I took, you know, I had what I call planning time and I bring a pencil and paper and, and sit and write my thoughts for what I was going to write about. And now that I moved to the mainland, it's, I haven't been at the beach in three years. Hmm. So That's the way oh, it well. works. We've been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry, and happy Valentine's Day. Oh, you too, Doug. Happy Valentine's Day. We'd love to hear your comments. Email comments at CruiseRadio.net. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting CruisingExcursions.com. 
you have an Amazon Alexa enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News Skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. Cat just returned from a four night cruise aboard Royal Caribbean's Brilliance of the Seas from the Port of Tampa over to Cozumel. And she joins us on the line. Hey, Cat. Hey, how's it going? Good. So uh, before we get to Brilliance and talk all about your big Super Bowl cruise, let's um, take a step back. Give us some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this four-night cruise on Brilliance out of Tampa? Okay. Well, usually every single year, I run a group called Royal Caribbean Periscopers, and we take an annual group cruise during the Super Bowl. And we try to you know, change it up and do different ships from time to time. And so I had friends that were on Brilliance and I had never been on a Radiance class ship. And so I was, you know, I was like, usually I discussed, you know, what, what cruise we should take with my fellow admin of our group, you know, regarding our group cruise. And uh, this ship definitely perked our interest just because of, you know, the unique uniqueness to it. Yeah, and she's not, I mean, she's what, about 17 or 18 years old, too, so she's, she's yeah. not a young ship. Oh, um, yeah, most definitely. She's a beautiful ship. Yeah, she's gorgeous. So uh, you live here in Jacksonville, and you made your I way do. down to the port of Tampa. Did you do any pre-cruise stay down in Tampa? Um, I did. I stayed, actually, at the uh, Grand Hyatt, and which, you know, I kind of splurged a little bit. Normally, you know, because it's a little bit more of expensive of a hotel, but I had some friends that were going to be staying there. Mm-hmm. So I decided to stay at the Grand Hyatt, which was very, very nice. Um, but it was only for one night, so, you know, wasn't too bad. And um, I actually um, was meeting some friends for dinner um, at American Social. So you make your way to the port of Tampa. How was embarkation? Um, embarkation was wonderful. Um, you know, I, I always say don't pay attention to the suggested time that you should arrive. Mm-hmm. Um, I arrived to the port at 10 o'clock. I basically had my passport out and we basically maybe sat down for minutes. <laughs> we basically walked right on the ship actually at 1030. Wow. So you were on the ship at 1030? Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. And now, yeah. I know you sail Royal a lot. Do you have any, like, priority boarding with them? Um, well, so this time I did have priority boarding. I was platinum, and I was also staying in a junior suite. Okay. So, um, well, I mean, we probably sat, no, I'd say we probably sat down for maybe five or ten minutes. But, I mean, I got to the port about ten o'clock, and it was very quickly. We were there as soon as the doors opened and went through TSA very quickly. And, you know, it was a very very quick process you fancy grand hyatt and a junior suite look at you (laughs) i I know (laughs) i know you make your way on brilliance of the seas what were your first impressions of her oh my gosh so beautiful when you walk on you have the centrium um and it's just got so many amazing colors and it's it's got like a moving kind of design wall um I just noticed with the Radiance class how much more like outside like looking glass, like the elevators, when you get in the elevators, you can see outside to the ocean. So it's got a huge, you know, glass where, you know, it's just really awesome. You can definitely see the ocean like anywhere mm-hmm. you want to go. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you make your way to, well, actually, it's kind of early, but could you go right to your stateroom since you were in a junior suite? Unfortunately not. Okay. I wish I wish I could. So we, we kind of, we 
kind of got, um, we hung out in the Solarium Bar quite a while, so probably about 11, 30, 12 o'clock. And my main point for wanting to hang out in the Solarium Bar is Park Cafe, mm-hmm. um, because usually on embarkation day, I don't like to go to the Windjammer because it's always crowded. Right. Um, so I like to try to find a different food venue. Um, that's not as crowded, and I'm a huge fan of Royal Caribbean's uh, roast beef sandwich <laughs> from mm-hmm. Park Cafe. So usually um, that would be my first go-to choice on a ship that offers that, you know, offers that selection. So your stateroom is eventually ready. You make your way to it, and you said it was a junior suite. So what did you think about it? Oh my God, it was absolutely beautiful. Okay, so now this was not just only any junior suite this was a junior suite on the 10th deck um the cabin number was 1100 it was on the corner of the ship it was the nicest i had a huge balcony huge balcony i was it was an aft balcony so junior suite aft balcony on the corner wow. so it has the extended balcony yeah i definitely splurged on, <laughs> on I'm, this i'm looking at the video cruise. of it right now and there's like a is there like a walk-in closet here or a pretty big closet oh yes there is a walk-in closet i usually what i would do because like i'm i like to be you know have space to put my stuff i'll have i'll bring like an over the door shoe hanger organizer Mm. thing for the cabin i didn't need it (sighs) there is so much cabin space and so much drawer space and shelving and storage i didn't even need it there was a walk-in closet which i absolutely loved because you know you usually if you bring a lot of luggage you're trying to figure out where to put it all and so you know we had a king-size bed and then a couch and then the room was just so much bigger and then it had like a little chase lounger on the other side with a coffee machine that comes with junior suites and the walk-in closet the junior suites have a bathtub in their bathroom so that's always a nice, um, nice feature, you know, if you want to kind of just soak. Um, but it was it was an absolute wonderful room on the aft of, you know, the 10th deck. And it had the extended balcony. From what I understand, it was the best cabin in the fleet. I'm going to say no one needs a balcony this big. I'm looking at this video on YouTube right now of room 1100. <laughs> And this is a huge balcony. Good for you it for is. booking this room. Well, An amazing view of, like, aft view, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. There's no scaffolding <laughs> on so the cool. brilliance of, so it's like, un, you have a view that is not obstructed. Mm-hmm. Your view is amazing. Let's talk about dining on this four-night cruise. So um, we'll start in the main dining room. What time dining did you have, and what did you think about it? Well, I actually did specialty dining for the first two nights. Okay. There was a BOGO deal where we had buy one, get one free. So we did Giovanni's the first night with a majority of our group members, and they they did a really great job of accommodating us. We had like three large tables, and the food was absolutely amazing. I think I had um, lasagna. It was just, I mean, they brought us appetizers and just so much food, so much food. And then where'd you go the and second night? Second night was chops. So um, I'm I'm a big steak lover, so I had the, uh, the filet mignon, mm-hmm. I think the nine ounce, 
and with, you know, mashed potatoes, very, very tender, just really cooked very well. And again, with the appetizers, there was tons of food. The food was just amazing. Um, the third night is we, we ate in the main dining room when we had late seating. And uh, it was really, really great. Um, they had probably like five or six tables all together for my group because we had 80 people in our group. Wow. So main dining room on the third night. And then what did you do the fourth night? Fourth night was Super Bowl night. And so Super Bowl night is just like a windjammer kind of night. Okay. I don't, you know, I don't have to dress up. I can just be casual. I think I had like jeans on that night because, you know, we were going to try to watch the Super Bowl out on deck and um, the weather had other plans. <laughs> we started out on deck and then we would get our windjammer food and bring it out on deck and then it started to rain. <laughs> so we ended up moving inside to the pub. Yeah. Um, how was the windjammer on Brilliance? Um, you know, it was really, really good. Um, they had a lot of choices and my most favorite area to eat meals, like breakfast and lunch and the outside wind jammer on radiance class ships is absolutely amazing it's actually on the aft of the ship it's actually right above my cabin um you know and i actually could hear from my my uh <laughs> cabin during the day i could hear chairs moving but that was my most favorite area to eat breakfast and lunches and i actually chose it over in the main dining room um, you know, there was one day I could have lunch in the main dining room. I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to go eat in the windjammer outside, you know, because it was just, you know, so much fun to be able to have your lunch in the open air mm -hmm. and have the views of the ocean right there. How many roast beef sandwiches did you have at Park Cafe? Um, during the four day period, probably like three or four. Okay. <laughs> Have you done a Zoomy on Royal at all? I have not. No. I've got to try it sometime. I'm not a huge sushi fan. Mm -hmm. um, and I know some ships will have the hibachi and some don't. But yeah. I, I do love the hibachi food, though. Yeah, same here. Talk to us about the entertainment on this four-night cruise. How was it? It was good. From you know, uh, We had some singers in the pubs. I didn't really go see a lot of the shows because I was more hanging out with you know my, my group members. They definitely kept us entertained during the day. They had trivia. And, of course, we did the quest, <laughs> um, which we won. <laughs> I won't ask you about quests because that's kind of a don't ask, don't tell kind of, kind of game. Oh, um, that's true. How was the entertainment um, around the ship as far as, like, musical acts playing in the different venues and such? I mean, it was really, really good. Um, my, I think my most favorite um, entertainment is the 70s mm -hmm. um, party. That's when just, every, you know, I love the 70s music. I think that's my most favorite. They did that in the Centrium. And they kind of have a 70s pre-show where they kind of play, you know, they have a couple singers that will sing um, a lot of the 70s songs. And then they kick it up into high gear um, when the, you know, actual 70s party starts. I think that's like the most highlight party of the whole week. Oh, the whole weekend is the 70s party because pretty much the whole centrium is packed jam with people. Um, just dancing and, you know, you've got the village people out there throwing the the glowing rings and, you know, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Uh, how about sea days? How was the ship during the sea days? Oh, the sea days were wonderful. It was, um, you know, it didn't feel too crowded. I think the first day um, 
the solarium wasn't um, as jam-packed because it was a little bit cooler. Um, but there was definitely people in the hot tub and, you know, they only have the one pool. I didn't really get in the pool at all, but I noticed that, I mean, it definitely wasn't, didn't feel overcrowded and people, you know, had things to do. So, I mean, it was really, really good. Um, basically, you know, hung out with my group. We had kind of a pub crawl on one of the sea days. So that was fun. As far as the crowds and congestion, like, um, in the dining areas because the ship doesn't have a ton of dining, but it does have a good handful, maybe a dozen spots or so. Um, did you yeah. find there to be like a pretty good flow in the different venues? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. You know, and I thought eating in the specialty restaurants would take a really super long time. Mm-hmm. It really didn't. And I know when we did eat in the main dining room, I think it was the fastest service I have ever received on any cruise because they were just very efficient it didn't feel overcrowded at all. We were able to walk right in and go right to our table. So it was really, really great. Let me ask you about the casino. Um, was smoking an issue in the casino at all or outside of the casino? It was a little bit of an issue just because I am a non-smoker. So sometimes the smoke, you know, does tend to bother us. But, um, you know, we were in actually speaking of the casino, we were actually in the casino for a um a thing with my group it's called a slot pool it's where everybody puts money in we all put 15 dollars in a uh, machine we did like a wheel of fortune everybody takes three spins and there was probably about 30 or 40 people that had put 15 dollars in and so we put all of our money in and did our spins and we actually ended up coming out ahead everybody got their money back plus ten dollars okay so we we all won an extra ten dollars on top of what we had already put in so it was really fun you don't hear people walking away a winner much at those slot uh those slot pulls so good for you yeah what ports of call did you hit and uh give us a highlight from each port Okay, so we only had one port this cruise because mm-hmm. we had two sea days and one port. So it was Cosmo, Mexico, and we had all decided as a group to do an all-inclusive um, island, you know, which I, I have eaten, uh, I've stayed at Mr. Sancho's before, and that was really great. It's more kid-oriented at Mr. Sancho's, but we all decided that we wanted to go to Nachi Kokum, which is more adult-driven, and they only let 130 people in per day. So that kind of appealed to me because, you know, I know when I went to Mr. Sancho's, it felt very, very crowded. Um, You know, it was just felt very crowded. And I could definitely tell the difference when we went to Nachi Kokum um, because the majority of my group were at, you know, we all went there together. There was probably 80 of us. And there was, you know, other people that obviously were not in our group, but it did not feel crowded at all. It was a much more relaxing um, experience because, you know, we could just kind of do what we want and hang out on the beach. The food was definitely 10 times better mm-hmm. at Nachi Kokum than it was at Mr. Sancho's. It was really, really good. My travel agent turned me on to Nachi Kokum back in 2017, and I've been back three times since then, and I agree 100%. So much better than the other place. Oh, yes, most definitely. From now on, whenever I, whenever I go to Cosmo, Mexico, 
I am definitely going to Nachi Kokram because now that, you know, I have it to compare between the two mm-hmm. all-inclusive islands, it's just a very nice experience. And they, they work really hard to, you know, make you have a really great experience and a really great day. I didn't realize they capped it at 130 people. I knew they capped it, but I didn't realize it was 130. That's really good to know. So um, Yeah, it used to be 100. They raised it a little bit. So they raised it to 130, and that's kind of currently where it's at, and I hope they don't raise it anymore. Was it at capacity when you were there? Did you know? Um, I don't know. I, I think pretty much it was sold out because I know mm-hmm. there was a group member or two that tried to get in. They could not because it was sold out. So a majority of the people that were there were part of my group. But, I mean, there was probably a good 20 or 30 people that, you know, were not in my group that, you know, I noticed, you know. But it did not feel crowded at all, even in being at capacity. Yeah. That's good to hear. So you make your way back to the port of Tampa. You had a very eventful debark. Talk to us about that. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we had gotten word probably Saturday, late Saturday evening, early Sunday, that fog was going to be an issue on our disembarkation back into Tampa. So we were actually going to be arriving into Tampa a little early on Sunday night probably about 11, 12 o'clock at night. Um, Come Monday morning, which is um, disembarkation day, which is February the 4th, we get notice that we are still in the Bay, you know, Tampa Bay, and we, the port has been closed because of fog, and we kind of just have to hang out until, you know, they open the port again. And the time kept on changing, you know, it's like the captain said, we will be alongside at 12 o'clock. Well, 11.30 came around. He's like, you know, we're not going anywhere yet. (laughs) So it changed from 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock. And then probably about 3.34, you know, we started making our way into Tampa. The port had opened and um, it was probably about 4.35 o'clock when we actually pulled alongside the dock. They did a really good job during the day of, you know, all of our drink packages still worked. Our Voom, our internet was still working. They were, they came up with activities to keep the cruisers happy. So, you know, you could tell that they were experienced at, you know, kind of having to come up with a contingency plan of, you know, not having us off the ship. So, I mean, they did a really good job of keeping us entertained as best as they could, you know, with having us for an extended stay. So what time did you finally clear customs and get into your car? Um, It was probably about 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the evening. It took a really, really long time to get off the ship. It was a little disorganized trying to get off the ship because everybody, you know, was just very impatient and all it was very, very crowded in the hallways. The lines were really, really super long. It was probably the the worst experience I've had for disembarkation, but I just kind of took it in stride and tried to keep my patience and, you know, but everybody pretty much had lost their patience at that point. So it was very, um, it was, you know, not a fun experience trying to get off. Yeah. I mean, I guess in all fairness too, there's basically like 6,000 people they're dealing with 3000 coming off and 3000 trying to get back on. So I'm sure tempers were flaring, but uh, I'm glad you had a good time. I'm glad you kept your cool and didn't, uh, break anyone's neck oh yeah most definitely (laughs) most definitely and you know um i know one of the things you usually ask is tips for um new cruisers having gone through this travel insurance mm -hmm. (laughs) 
travel insurance is a must because there was actually a few cruisers that did not get travel insurance and they ended up paying dearly for it because they ended up having to pay out of pocket for their flight changes and hotel stays. Um, There was a cruiser that ended up missing his next cruise because he was going on a cruise that was at actually in Miami. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I always recommend travel insurance. You have to get it. Agree 100%. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you? I think the biggest highlight is just being able to be on a Radiance class ship for the very first time. Um, It was a very special cruise for me because, you know, it was a group cruise with the group that I created, Royal Caribbean Periscopers. And I always say cruising with friends is definitely the way to go. And the the people that I was cruising with definitely made it very memorable. Um, We just had a really great time being able to cruise together and hang out and going to Nachi Kokum for the very first time, um, staying in a beautiful aft balcony junior suite having wonderful views i mean there was just there's so many positives with this cruise i could go on and on well in closing here final thoughts of brilliance of the seas um it is a beautiful ship i would definitely sail on brilliance of the seas again just beautiful cat welcome back to jacksonville and uh, thank you so much for sharing your review Thank you so much. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.